Well, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 15, and we're more or less just going to be reading, reading this morning. It, uh, <laughs> our teens really don't like reading. It, uh, it's kind of comical. Some of them do, but, but most of them are like, ah, but anyway. I think, uh, I don't think it's just the teens either. But uh, for me, it's connecting dots and that. I often wonder why um, God brought the opportunity to teach through the book of Acts, right? And you can't just read Acts without reading the entire <laughs> New Testament and seeing how it's plugged into that book. So as you're reading through, it's not just connecting thoughts, it's connecting the, the flow of the gospel going to, to the nations, right, from Jerusalem. So even as I, I study through, it's not just looking at a verse or a couple verses. We're not just looking to, to grab a couple different points and then we'll go on about our week. And, and some guys, is, they're wired that way, and that's great. But, but for me, it's, it's catching, it's understanding the text and seeing how it, it carries on through. I often think, I, I used to read a lot as a teen in Alaska. I used to read the, the Louis Lemure books. I mean, it just, just one after another, one after another. And, and if you couldn't find me, I was reading something. Now it, uh, I wish it had been the Bible. It probably would have saved, <laughs> saved me 10 years of, of heartache and misery. But uh, anyhow, that's where we're going to be this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, just for the time that's here. Lord, I pray that as we read your text, we would catch um, what you're saying. Lord, I pray that your text would preach itself. Lord, that we would see in and through. Um, Lord, we've looked at something um, that's very, very significant to the, the polity and the governing of your church, Lord, and how we, we separate from the world and how, how the world hates you, hates, hates, the, hates your word, hates your instructions, uh, hates, your, hates your believers, hates your apostles, Lord. And that's not something that we park on very often. That's not something that, that we enjoy thinking about. So I just pray as we read that these things are, are very clear. Uh, as I read, Lord, help me to articulate uh, as, you, as you lead me, and, and I pray that uh, we would leave here uh, with no confusion. Lord, we leave here with a, a clear understanding of what you're saying. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so in John chapter 15, we've already worked through the vine. Um, I think that we've been very, very thorough. We understand abiding is continuing. We understand that these, these apostles are being prepared to face... <laughs> the, the, the drums, if you will. I've had this thought this week, how old were these, were these apostles? As Jesus had, had, had called them out of the world, right? He called them out of their nation. How old were they? Young, I mean, late teens, early 20s. I mean, I, I, had, I got my message in my office that, that was kind of set aside, and we'd have to save it for later maybe, but, uh, but I mean, you think about it, like where was the older generation? Why, why was it just these 12 young guys? Uh, being molded towards this. There's much thought. So you have guys, let's say 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and Jesus is preparing them. And then we start reading down through the text. Um, I'm 36. I know where I was when I was 20, right? It, 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 it puts, puts those things a, a little bit more contextually. But I'd like to just read um, beginning in verse 12, and we'll just catch the flow of thought, understanding that that they're heading for the Garden of Gethsemane. 
right? Already the mob is being formed to go arrest Jesus, right? I mean, the, that rubber band is winding tighter and tighter, okay? It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, intimacy, right? This is attached to the vine, this is your worship, your prayer together. This is your, your studying the word together. This is your bearing fruit together. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Right? You're going to face situations where, where you're going to be facing death, sacrifice. I mean, each one of these guys other than, than John was martyred and John was thrown into a boiling cauldron of oil before he, he went to Patmos. I mean, these guys counted the cost of discipleship, which is everything. It's everything. He says, you are my friends. We understand that there's a next level with Jesus, right? You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. There's no in-between here, right? You obey Christ, guess what? You, you step into that intimacy. And all of a sudden you find yourself at, uh, at a higher, you're aware of what's going on in God's program. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. So when you're walking in obedience to Christ, guess what? He starts revealing the bigger picture. He starts revealing God's program. All of a sudden the Word of God begins, begins to come alive for you. And most of the time you're called to leadership. Right? Most of the time you're called to that discipleship. Most of the time as you're leading your homes, it's, it's, look, this is where Jesus is leading here. We see what's going on. Verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Well, remember last week? Is that when it's easy? Are you bearing fruit there when, when our missions programs are booming and, and there's nothing hindering our missionaries from going and our local church ministries? It's not what he's talking about here. It's in this, 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 this turmoil, right? This tension, right? As the Pharisees, as, as Saul is, is chasing you across Syria, bear fruit, right? In the hard times, and the good times, but the hard times. And that your fruit should remain, we had that picture last week of don't dance around the edges. Boldly step into it. Engage in it. And yet, pardon me, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And last week we mentioned that you have to be on your knees in prayer during these times. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, I mean, picture these teens, right? These, these young men. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. This isn't just your neighbor. This was talking about his government, right? Roman rulers, society, culture. Um, I mean, it's the whole, I mean, you're going to have the whole thing put before you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. So if you agreed with the world, if you had the same opinion, if you had the same priorities as the world, guess what? They'd love you, right? But you don't. You've been called out of the world. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, what happens when you side with Christ? What happens when you commit yourself fully to obeying Christ? I've got it highlighted. Therefore the world hates you. There's a division right there. right? And it's not, it's not me doing it. The world already hates Christ. So as soon as I, I, I give my life to Christ and I follow Him, guess what? 
The animosity begins. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, the world, this includes the Sanhedrin and the Roman government, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. We got two groups here, right? We got ones that are going to hate you. We got other ones that are listening. Other ones that have been listening. And I think, thought to myself, and maybe I should have brought that part of my notes, but, but I mean, you had different men coming to him at night. You had, you had Nicodemus in John chapter 3, listening, entertaining Jesus, right? Like, like asking questions. Right? If they listen to my word, they listen to yours. We think of Zacchaeus. I mean, he climbed a tree to see Jesus and entertain, right? We got, you had Pharisees who were, who were, because they liked their position, they were afraid to profess Christ. Right? So you have people there that, that were listening to Jesus in the midst of this animosity. And that was the, 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 the souls that Jesus is saying there. Like, there are going to be those, and this is why I'm calling you to go through this suffering and through this persecution, because there are people that are going to believe there are people that are going to respond. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. So why is the world going to, to go against the apostles? Why does the world hate Christ? It's because they do not know him who sent me. Who's the him? Yeah, Jesus. They don't, they don't know the Father. They don't know the Father who sent his Son. They won't even acknowledge God. I put in my notes, do you trust someone that doesn't acknowledge God? Do you expect good things from someone who doesn't acknowledge God? Oh, that's ridiculous. Don't, and, and I mean, you just think there, even in your, your conversations and the things there, I mean, if someone does not acknowledge God, you don't expect godly things from that. They do not know Him who sent me. They don't know God. As He's speaking to the Sanhedrin, they're following a religious system Right? They have their own constitution, the 613 laws of the Mishnah. Right? They have their own traditions. They go to the temple every, every Saturday. I mean, they have their things. They're religious, but they don't know God. Verse 22, and this is the thing there that, that we need to grasp a hold of. Because Jesus is, God's restraining here. Jesus is the one that's confronting, right? He's going to confront the Sanhedrin. Right? He's going to confront the, the government as there's three trials with the, the Jewish authorities and three trials with the Roman authorities. He's confronting the public. He's confronting his countrymen because they don't know God. They hate Christ. And Jesus says, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would, not have, pardon me, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. I asked the question, what was Jesus speaking as he went to the world, what was Jesus proclaiming when he went against this evil and this wickedness? He spoke for the Father, right? John chapter 7, he spoke for the Father. He was speaking the word of God to these men who did not know God, to the world that did not know God, and therefore they were without excuse for their sin. That's a big, big statement right there. Who's the judge? Jesus. Every man will stand before Jesus, either the believer at the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment for all those that have rejected the gospel. Verse 23, he who hates me hates my father also. Very clear. 
If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. They're without excuse. Much like someone who discards the Bible knowing what's in it. Right? I, I, I don't need that. I, I'm choosing not to believe. That doesn't apply to me. And I'm talking about authorities and rulers and public. Right? And that's where that, at that point we separate. They hate God. They won't acknowledge they're following their own lusts. The, the, yeah. Verse 25. But this happened, that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. Did Christ ever sin? No, everything he did was perfect. Everything he did as he represented his father, as he represented humanity, was perfect. And yet here these men rejected. Right? The, the society rejected and and. Follow the study notes in your Bible. Go home and read Psalm 69, right where it's Christ, it's prophetic of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Go home and read Psalm 109, and it's David going through his own garden as he's being attacked by guess who? Government, right? There's overthrowing there. The powers, the authorities. Satan is working against God. But we're not left alone, are we? Verse 26. But when the Helper comes. You folks have a study note in your Bible? I have a little one in my New King James that sends me over. It says, the comforter, or in the Greek, the parakletos. Right? And I don't expect us to remember, but it was taught to me this way. When the helper comes, this isn't talking about a comforter as in, as in when I go through grief, you know, a comforter this way. Right? And we know he does. I mean, the Spirit is there for that purpose as well. But this is talking about the power that comes alongside. Right? That when the Comforter comes, the power of Christ, God the Father, Christ, the Spirit in you, alongside you for what He's calling you to do. Right? The power alongside. When the power alongside the Paracletus comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, right? The Word of God. They didn't have the New Testament at this time. They just had the words of Jesus and, and He would inspire them and lead them and speak through them. The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of who? Of Christ. That He is the Son of God. He is the King of kings. Right? When He ascends to the right hand of the Father, there He is on His throne. And you, you young men, right? You young men, uh, you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Trace that through the New Testament. See that in 1 John. It's, it's, it, it's a connection. Let's see this. In John 16, verse 1. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. <laughs> well, and we know every one of them stumbled. They ran from the garden. There's only, only the apostle John was found at the cross at Calvary. You know, his arms around Jesus' mother. All the rest, they stumbled. And I mean, we understand the humanity, but, but Jesus told them it was coming. Jesus was telling them that you, you are going to be called to stand against the, the, the opposing forces of, of Satan and the world. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming. Wow, sign me up. That whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. That's a big commitment for these young men, isn't it? That's a big commitment for believers when they're committing their lives to Christ. You're going to be put out. You're going to be killed. 
And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. And if you don't know God as a society, right? if you don't know God as a government, if you don't know God as, as even a family, because I know a lot of very, very, very dark situations right now. But if you don't know God or Christ, guess what? You're godless. Right? You've made that choice. There's godless. So who is ruling your life? Satan is. Who is ruling the, the government? Who is ruling the, the social system? And, and, and I'm just calling things black and white here. If, if you're not acknowledging God or the Son of God, guess what? We're living in a godless society. So that means that us as a church, as Christians, are that voice. We're the, the arms, the hands and feet. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Jesus is tortured. Jesus goes on trial. Jesus is murdered on a cross. Pays the price for our sins. Right? And, and, and for those that have placed their faith in him, we say, thank you, Lord Jesus. I wish, I wish we could observe communion today. Right? We're supposed to. It's the, but it... it, it it, we see that, we see him resurrected, we see him in his appearances, we see him ascend into heaven, and guess whose time it is now to stand up for Christ? It's these young men. He told them, right? And, and we are only, I mean, Pentecost is 50 days, so, so let's say within a year anyway, I haven't timelined this, but within, within even six months, it's go time for these Christians. Now as they spoke, Acts chapter 4, verse 1, to the people, right? They're standing in the, the, the temple vicinity, we'll say. The priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon him, being greatly disturbed. What was their problem? That they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. So who's the they? The temple, the government, right? And, and again, you got the religious, so provincial, federal would be Roman. Um, they laid hands on them, these Christians, for, for preaching the resurrection of Christ. They've been told that this is going to happen, right? You think of that tension, that, that rubber band. This is the, the birth of the early church. This is what they cut their teeth on. So they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, despite the tension, despite the, the, the pressure and persecution and everything that's going on, however, many of those who heard the word believed they're seeing the faith they're hearing the word of god they're responding to the gospel and that that's that's that essential i mean that's as as they knew that the these young men knew this was going to happen they kept preaching they kept teaching and the number of men came to be about five thousand can you imagine right five thousand jews that just watched a murder take place and then it connects the dots for them this is the christ the son of god and it came to pass, and if you're a habit of, of, of highlighting your Bible, just, just keep in mind here. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, do you remember some of the names from Jesus' trial? These same men that just murdered Jesus now have the apostles in prison. Right? This, is what they, this is what the apostles signed up for. This is the world's going to hate you. You're going to face these things. Don't expect to become popular. 
John and Alexander and many as were the high fam, pardon me, family, the high priests that were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them in their midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? This is where the Paracletus in the name of Christ as the highest authority comes in. By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Paracletus, the comforter, the power alongside, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Is Peter still subjecting to the authorities here? Yeah, very much so. Right? He's a citizen, right? He's abiding, but he's, he, he's moved, he's filled, he's going to speak for God. Right? The word of God, God the highest. He's speaking for his king who's at the right hand of the Father. He's going to speak the word of God. Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. They needed to hear that. That is the highest authority. That is who these apostles were obeying and bending the knee no matter what. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other. No vaccine, right? No government program, no handout, not even, not even peers around us. There is no deliverance. And I mean, this salvation talks to present life, this talks to eternal life, this talks to spiritual life. There is no salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And what is that name? Jesus Christ. Right, that is the only solution to anything that's going on right now. That's the only solution that the government needs to open up their eyes and, and recognize. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter, this is the rulers, and John, and perceived that they were uneducated men, pardon me, uneducated and untrained men, God can use anybody, praise the Lord, they marveled and they realized what? that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man, and we're just going to read down to verse 20, end of verse 21, so we're almost there. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They could say nothing against Jesus. They could say nothing against what, what Christ was doing. Right? There was evidence, their testimony, this healed man's testimony. They, they just, they, we can't say anything, okay? You believe that and it, and it works and you're standing for Christ. They can't say anything about it. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? The government here at this point are like, okay, what are we going to do? We can't silence them. We can't keep them locked up. I mean, my, what are we going to do? Why? Because they hate. They don't know God. Right? They don't believe in Christ. And they hate because of Christ. They hate what it advocates. They hate the authority. What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. They'd cover it up. Just like Jesus' resurrection, they paid the Roman soldiers off, right? So that that wouldn't get out. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. 
what, these young men preaching the word of God? These men standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And, and, and following him in obedience for what they believe with all their hearts? Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So the rulers, they call men to this trial. So they called him, Paul called them, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Do we see why the church and state has to be separated? Government cannot control that. Government has no place in that. Right? It, it has to be. We have to. I mean, the models there, our command is there. Uh, and I'm not driving a movement. It's just so that God's people understand that that's very clear. They have no right. Our highest authority is God. Our highest authority is Christ. And we are preaching and teaching one thing, and that is Christ and Him crucified. Verse 19, But Peter and John, again, young men, right? I mean, they only spent two and a half years with Jesus. Right? That's long enough there for them to stand and, and preach and teach and withstand and, 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 and think of how grounded these men's faith were. But Peter and John answered and said to him, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, who's the you? The rulers that hated Christ, does not know God, won't acknowledge Christ. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge, you decide. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's their bottom line. And they would die for this. This is what the church is built on. So when they had further threatened them, they let him go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. Guess what? Chapter 5. You find the same story. These young men, same thing. No, we're going to preach Christ. Our highest authority is God. We will obey the King. We will stand up and we will oppose. Christ. We are Christ's arm when it comes to injustice, moral, ethical, social. Scary, but we read. We know these things beforehand so that we're not made to stumble. It's not something we can do alone. Right? It's not something that, that somebody stands on the street corner or we start, start protests in the street. No. It's called maintaining good works. It's called coming together and, 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 and being obedient. And I think I'll just leave it at that this morning. I encourage us to write, read through it and write notes and questions, but uh, we have a task. And uh, I'm going to say it's unfortunate that there has been silence for many years. But it doesn't mean we have to be silent. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just think of, of these things. And again, I would ask for humility and wisdom and plurality. I know some that don't like that word, but Lord, I pray that, that we won't be making decisions on our own. Lord, I pray that in the midst of perhaps even reading and, and, and working through information and, and all these different things, Lord, that in this day and age is just a click of the button away. Lord, I pray that we would, we would experience or we would work through critical thinking. Lord, I pray that we would talk to other believers that we trust. 
Lord, that we would look for your leading as the Spirit uh, illuminates, uh, illuminates these things that leads us in, in, in your wisdom. And I pray that you would bring this church together and continue to bring it together. Lord, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what direction this is as the public joins in on, on railing against your church. Lord, I pray that you would bring us together so we can respond and follow your example. Lord, that we would have, we would have a grounded and steadfastness and that we would not shy away from what you've called us to do. I thank you for my church family. I thank you um, just for the, the things that you've brought us through and the things that you continue to bring us through. Continue to knit us together as you walk in our midst. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Okay.